Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And this is Keith Morrison. <laughs> and you're listening to A Date with Dateline, a very special edition. Did I say very that the special. right way? I, I don't know. You did amazing. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I, I feel like we have Josh Mankwitz to thank for this. I know he put in a good word. Can we just jump in and discuss your mm-hmm. bromance slash frenemies slash sibling mm-hmm. rivalry? How would you describe your relationship? Bromance? A bromance for <laughs> <with> that guy? <laughs> <laughs> he may have said that. that. Those may have been his words, it actually. May, it may well have been. Yeah. <laughs> but you can barely stand him. I can barely stand him, barely stand him. I, I try to ignore him, and it's it's difficult because he keeps goading me in some weird He does. Yeah. He likes that a lot. I think that's why he's on Twitter. I think his whole purpose on Twitter is to it could be. push your buttons. Yeah. Uh-huh. He thinks he's pushing my buttons. You know? Oh, I see. Oh. That's perfect. <laughs> he did post a lot of pictures of you ice skating with him. He did, yes. Yeah. Which you've never done, to be clear. You've never <laughs> ice skated with him. But how do you know, really? Well, I'm asking. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to assume. I don't know what goes on behind I'd the scenes. I'd be fascinated to see what Josh looked like on skates, especially uh, <laughs> uh, figure skating skates. Yeah. Yeah. Would he still wear a suit well, or would he wear some sort of unitard? Actually, yeah. speaking of, you're from Canada, correct? Yes. So how much time have you spent on skates? There's a fair amount of skating. I spent a great deal of time on skates. Uh, you know, the, there's something about moving to Southern California that kind of uh, makes it more difficult to skate on a regular basis. But <laughs> you learn to skate about the same time as you learn to walk in Canada, or at least the part where I grew, grew up. Mm-hmm. Did you play hockey? Yes. Oh, wow. Played hockey from the age of like five or something. I mean, they're just, you know, it's very, very young. You get started at this stuff. And did you have teams that you supported as well, all the way up, your favorite teams, that sort of sure, thing? Sure, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Are fun. you very particular about maple syrup <laughs> versus like Aunt Jemima or something? Uh-huh. That is asking, uh, it, it's a little bit like asking somebody who lives here on the West Coast, whether he's particular mm-hmm. to... The maple syrup from Vermont. Uh, it's a yeah, it's a sort of a foreign product to me because I've never lived in Quebec. Although I love the place. Well, wait, that's actually a bit of a lie. I did there for a while, <laughs> but yeah, I love maple syrup absolutely. Did you hear about the maple syrup heist? That was I that absolutely happened. did. I'm sorry, I, I I let that one go astray by. Question of your question. That should have been a dateline. That was unbelievable. I saw that. I watched it develop as it went along. We pitched it a couple of times, to be honest with you. And um, it just wasn't quite our sort of story, apparently. I don't know. I thought it was an amazing story. And still it is. Yes, and Dateline does heists occasionally. There's heists. Occasionally, occasionally, yeah. yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not always the M word. There's other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Done a lot of those, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Speaking of living in Southern California, yes, my parents claim they once saw you at a frozen yogurt place. This would not surprise me at all. <laughs> okay, so it could have been you. You do have frozen yogurt occasionally. I've sworn off the stuff. Apparently, it's okay. not good for you. So they tell me. But mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like any addiction. You get, you really get into it, and then you have to just get out of it. Yeah. Mm. What were you into at the time? What flavor? Uh, it was. It had to be a specific combination of. Um, vanilla, chocolate, and coffee, in and oh. but not swirled together. They had to be in separate little piles, you know. Yeah. Oh, I see. And yeah. so, did you spoon them together? 
I no, no, no. Oh, okay. you take a bite of one, then a bite of another, then a bite of the third. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Somehow that makes total sense. That that seems it does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a compartmentalizer. Yeah. In a way. Uh let's talk about daylight. Yeah. Sure. Can we ask you about Can we ask you? About. Can we ask you about Leah Askey? <laughs> sure. <laughs> what would you yeah. like to know? <laughs> well, I've tried to create a saying where if someone Askies it hup, uh, it means that they have really just taken no uh, accountability uh, for their actions mm -hmm. and are in extreme denial yeah. and are very frustrating for the hosts to have to interview. Yeah. M Ms. Askey was a, certainly an interesting woman. All right. And was uh, all the way through this whole strange saga that we've been following for years, as you know, she wouldn't talk to us and wouldn't talk to us. But we, there was a lot of public information available and video and audio that we could um, listen to, look at. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just every time we saw something uh, more, we yeah, it it made us sit up and take notice and want to ask questions of her. And she she would never sit for an interview. And then I think she got to the point after this always got to this point we are at now, where she felt as if she had been unfairly uh, accused of quite a few things. And so she wanted to set the record straight. And the interview is what happened. I mean, right. I, I don't quite know what more to say, except that we went on for a long, long time. That was a question. How long? Yes. How long was the actual interview? It was sometime, somewhere between three and a half and four hours. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you are a hero. No, there's That's a lot long. of material there. And mm -hmm. um, the maybe we should do a podcast on just that that woman and that, yes. that part of the case. But it was a fascinating conversation. But I, I just, well, interesting. We saw you're we saw you're usually very good about, you know, not giving your uh. opinion away with your face. There was one point where you kind of shuffled your papers and gave an expression uh. that it was the end of the interview. And it was very clear that this was you were incredulous. This was that going this to be was, ending yeah. now. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. But you yeah. tried very hard. You sort of trying to convince her, you know, we have all this evidence. And it was a fascinating conversation. And, and if, if she ever listens to this, I'd like her to know that I appreciated the chance to talk to her for that length of time and that yes. mm -hmm. I found her very engaging and fascinating and interesting to talk to, uh, even though mm -hmm. I thought, frankly, that she was kind of full of it. But that's, you know, she doesn't think so, clearly. Right. So no. did she leave the interview thinking she did a good job? Or that she had cleared her name, that she had uh, succeeded in what she wanted to do. I don't think that she felt she did. I think that she felt like, okay, I thought I'd do this and it would help, but maybe it won't. Um, oh. And, and it didn't. I, I feel kind of sorry for her because the, out, the, the outpouring of bad feeling toward Leah Askey was very powerful after the uh, program ran. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oof. That's tough. How often do you think that happens, actually? Where someone sort of it comes on Dateline with a very specific intention to, I'm going to tell this part of the story, or they come with an, a strong intention, and then they leave being like, whoops. I would think not that often. Not that often. Not that often. It always, you know, I used to tell people that I was, I'm going to start a PR firm called PR for Perps. Um, <laughs> and, because, and because I can Good. give them all kinds of advice about what to do when they're 
when they're accused of something and the, you know, the whole world of social media and television is kind of on them about it. Um, that the, the, the hiding in a corner and not talking to anybody is not the best way to deal with it. The best way to mm-hmm. deal with it is take it head on, explain mm-hmm. your position, you know, um, reveal yourself as a human being who did what he or she thought was right. And yes. or whatever, whatever, whatever your story is, tell it because that gives people, at least people have to digest it and compare it with what they know otherwise. And usually mm-hmm. that helps the person who does the explaining. Mm-hmm. It didn't help Leah, but that was that's kind of unusual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't ask a lot of gotcha questions. You're not trying to set people up in these interviews. Well, not in the same way anyway. And I, and, and I, I um, my goal is to understand and not to judge. Mm-hmm. Somebody else can do the judging. I just want to understand where a person is coming from, to use that old expression, or or you know what they're what what they can tell me about a, a certain thing. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to hear from their perspective. Otherwise, how can you possibly understand where they, you know, what they were thinking when they when they did did a certain thing mm-hmm. or when they took a certain action? Sure. Um, so there's a there's a theory that I subscribe to that the the best way to get material out of people is to be um, is to be friendly is to be open is to is to be genuinely curious about what they have to say and about what their position is about things mm-hmm. that comes across it definitely That's comes across oh, thank you except <laughs> don't do the gotcha questions very much I probably should but. No, because yeah. sometimes you don't need to, especially in the Leah Asti, yeah. you're just presenting with the facts of yeah. this is this, what is your, uh, how do you explain this? And the facts right. speak for themselves and it's, she's explaining them in an alternate world sort of yes, way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Seems. That's a somewhat rare circumstance, but yes, that's right. Uh, can we ask you about Lori Vallow? Yes, of course you can. Ask away. <laughs> Are we getting more episodes when trials start? I sincerely hope so, partly because I just, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to decide, but we are still following it, obviously. And um, there will be a trial and mm-hmm. it'll be sooner rather than later. We'll be covering it for sure. And I, I can not quite guarantee, but close to guarantee we'll be doing something on it. It's, it doesn't it doesn't stop being interesting no. because of where we are. No, it doesn't. And you've somehow managed to find new interviews and new stories yeah. to tell in each episode you've done. Largely due to a, a remarkable producing uh, associate of mine named Shane Bishop. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Shane, Shane Bishop. You know Shane. Yes. Shane, Shane is a phenomenal character. So kind to us. We like him he's, a lot. He's one of the good guys. What do you think about that case makes it so fascinating? Is it the the religious beliefs, the zombies, the, or is it the fact that there are children involved? Is it the fact that there are two Melanies? What is it about? <laughs> or is it just the number of, of sort of trail of crime? It seems to be just it, long. I think all of the above. It was just so much, so much bizarre stuff in one story and a person who otherwise would seem like kind of a regular like any one of us um both her and him mm-hmm. uh, to the outside world was uh, you know had had engaged with these 
unbelievable beliefs and and uh but to the point where that they actually believed that they could kill somebody and they're really just transferring them from one dimension to another dimension and everything will be fine um i've run into that a few times before but never like this this is technicolor compared to a little black and white photograph uh, so there every time we we dip into the story and talk to more people who have not only known them but have known the kind of fringe groups um right uh, at the edges of LDS, LDS doesn't approve of, but they're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's some of those beliefs. It's, it's, you know, she is a unique person. Both of them are. But that attitude about things, those beliefs are not particularly unique. They're around. Do you believe that they actually believe these things or were using them as an excuse to be together and do what they wanted? Yeah, everybody seems to have a different opinion on that. Um, right. I believe that they actually believed it. But you can you can believe what you want to believe. Um, and if you are, uh, you know, if you're having a love affair and uh, it's pretty, it becomes pretty easy to believe what is necessary to keep that affair going. Except she'd always been, um, as had Chad, uh, pretty out there in her beliefs. Mm. It just hadn't been expressed hadn't had a, a form of expression before she met him. So the kind of madness of two, you know, you put two people together who have both have outlandish beliefs and they build on yes. each other. That makes total sense. The, I think also what's you were in the room with some of these people that actually believed this for at least a yeah. period of time. Uh-huh. What was that like? Especially, I believe it was her cousin who had the the husband who was the FBI yeah. informant and then flipped yeah, around and changed his mind. And yeah. and she's still I'm, sort of in that belief system, right? Yeah. Uh, among strange days, that one ranks high. <laughs> um, and it, was, it wasn't just the two of them and me in the room, understand. But there were, right. uh, we were surrounded by cameras and, uh, and, and crews. There were two or three crews on this one and, and two or three producers and families associated with uh, it, the public who really had nothing to do with this story. So there's a crowd watching them as they're talking. And oh. Melanie had come into the interview. Uh, I don't want to say anything that I want to get beyond my skis on this, but she had a story, a specific story to tell, um, which denied what the authorities believed to be true. Um, and she sat there and told it for a long time again another long long interview as she's sitting right beside the guy who turned state's evidence against her or who tried to for a couple of weeks and recorded their mm-hmm. conversations and right you know offered to cooperate with the government and then when she found out back down and somehow they have a relationship uh still that's true love and have i think had a couple of children since then oh my god Wow. If you had to interview, if you could only interview Lori or Chad, who would you pick? Well, I have not been able to interview Chad yet. I'd love to interview yeah. him. His background is fascinating as well. He's left a record of his of his beliefs uh, that go back for years. He's written these books, a whole series of books, um, mm-hmm. which could have been seen as sort of religious fantasy um, until he wrote his autobiography in quotation marks, um, when he revealed that these beliefs were deeply felt by him and that he felt he mm-hmm. was crossing back and forth between 
mm-hmm. um, through the veil into heaven and back again, etc. Communicating right. with the dead on a regular basis. And I believe it started when he worked at a cemetery. Well, that was that certainly helped it. I think it was there before, and then in the cemetery. He went in the ocean. Oh, right. He died. He almost died in the ocean. That was one thing. Right. I mean, his his near death experiences. He he described having two of them, um, and um, you know, right. were they near death experiences or was he frightened for a few minutes? I don't. You know, it's it's. <laughs> That's a good point. From what he described, they didn't seem to be near-death experiences to me. But that if you if you have something dramatic in your life and you want to build a story around it, uh, eventually it'll become true. Or you want to build a religion around it. That I mean, there that's there's same, that too. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about this mm-hmm. is it's so interesting to me, is uh, and frustrating at the same time, is that um, memories are so malleable and so <laughs> they change all the time. When you remember something, you're really not remembering the incident, but you're remembering your memory of the incident, which every time you remember it, Mm. it's edited a little bit. And the Mm -hmm. edits generally in a subconscious way are are done so that you are making yourself feel better about whatever you did or whatever your decision was. And eventually after, you know, a fairly short period of time, you can absolutely specifically remember a thing that happened and the other person who was there in the same room will have a completely different memory. Right. Both mm-hmm. of you convinced that your memories are correct. So, mm-hmm. you know, right. this, there's a lot of slipperiness about what's true and what isn't true in the world. And uh, that's, that's the world in which we are kind of wandering around talking to people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the fate of a person relies on those memories in court, two different right. people right. remembering it completely differently. Yes. yes and I'm often, um, Surprised and a little bit concerned about the way uh, um, the legal system treats memories, uh, probably, mm-hmm. you know, more seriously than they should. I'm, mm-hmm. I suspect that's a really good point. Can we go back to the moment that changed everything in all of our lives? It was December 11th, 2019. This moment shall never be forgotten. At least not by our listeners. Our by listeners, our listeners. will never <laughs> um, I think the world. It might also be the world. I think, the world. World. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone. Okay, fine, uh, fine. I think it, it changed all of us in a deeply profound way. Uh-huh. It is the moment where you said sweet flying <laughs> F <laughs> on the air. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Did you know that that was going to come out of your mouth? Was there discussion about there was, replacing it yeah. or keeping it? Well, I, <laughs> I'm so glad it stayed in. Yeah. Were you surprised it stayed in? I said, I don't think we should leave that in. And, um, and the, everybody else wanted to. So I said, oh, what the hell? Sure, why not? But um, here was a person who had dissembled and lied for two solid hours. And you just get over it. You just can't yeah. mm-hmm. you know, yeah. tell the truth, for God's sake, for a minute. But mm-hmm. yeah. and he insulted it? your journalistic integrity. Ooh, yes, <laughs> yes. By saying yes, that you just wanted to get a soundbite, basically. Uh, wow. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that did get my goat a bit. I must say, <laughs> it was wonderful. Very kind. Because also, everyone was feeling your frustration in the moment. So when you said it, it was everyone was like, "Thank mm. you." Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. See, now, maybe if I were more of a gotcha interviewer, um, I would do that. You know, you'd have small gotchas all the way through instead of getting frustrated for two hours and then 
saying some <laughs> bad thing like that. I think it's almost better that you're not expecting it. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And you, you, you've you built up your frustration the whole time. <laughs> it's probably not good for your mental health, but it's really enjoyable for the audience. And it's fine for my mental health. <laughs> was he surprised? Yeah, was he surprised? But he, I think he probably was a little bit. Yeah. Great. You may have one of those <laughs> been one of those people for whom PR for perps was not appropriate. Oh, I see. <laughs> also trademark. Sorry. I'm going to have to. Tra- yeah, you should trademark, trademark that for that. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If this is your first time mentioning it, then yeah, we want to make sure no one takes it from you. That wouldn't Fine. be right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. would be terrible. <laughs> we covered a repeat who killed the radio star? I don't know if you have any memories about that episode. It was a really long time ago. So that was a while ago. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. No, they air them all the time on uh, yeah. a bunch this... of channels and on Peacock. They live forever. It's a great title. It is a great title. Yeah. The part that always stands out to me is the man who was furnishing the boat spent $50,000 on a <sighs> yeah. washer dryer. Yeah. yeah. And he had a fireplace in his boat. Yes. Right. Yeah, and a television set, and um, yeah, he spent a lot of money on that boat. That wasn't his, of course. The, the money that is. No, and the boat couldn't sail around the world. He was furnishing it very specifically for a trip that could never happen because could he hadn't happen. actually yeah. outfitted the boat correctly. I was. Yeah. The details rush back into my little mind. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> Your fifty thousand dollar washer and dryer is hard to forget. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you, I think you went on the boat. Yeah, yes, right? indeed. Yeah, uh huh. And it was not a boat that you would want to spend money on. It was obviously, <gasps> you know, uh, going to be a hole to throw money into. Yeah. So it was just a money pit, anyways. Oh, sure. Yeah, from the from the get go. Um, but the guy, you know, doing the contributing or whether he was aware of it or not, was, you know, somewhat credulous and he was perfectly happy to go along. Are you a boat person? I'm not, but there are lots of boats around here. So I see them. Yeah. yeah. That's surprising that you're not a boat person. Why is it surprising? With Southern California. I feel like you're a Should be a boat. guy. Yeah. Um, there was an episode where you were driving on PCH and That's a true. woman stopped, flagged you down. Yeah. Did that really happen? It did happen. Yes. It did. And then um, I'm not sure she, I think probably when she looks back on that, she'll wonder why she did that. But uh, <laughs> I, this was a, a marvelous story that I've always loved about the Ted Binion story. Not so nice mm-hmm. for Ted, who was, who was, who ended yeah. up dead yeah. somehow mm-hmm. or other. But the story of the, of the two people who supposedly conspired to kill him and stole his silver and buried silver. it in the desert. And yeah. It's just a wonderful, amazing story. And um, mm-hmm. so a f- couple of, a few years, Sandy was her name, and she was sent yes. to prison in Nevada and was there for four years and then had a new trial. Um, right. For anybody who may partially remember this story, in the, in, in the new trial, she was uh, acquitted. They both, she and her supposed conspirator were, were both acquitted of, of the murder. So she was released and she came back to Southern California and um, resumed her life. And I did one interview with her on the beach when she was back. And it was the completion, I thought, of this whole episode. Right. So that was back in the early part of the century. It was like 2001 or two that we put that on the air. And maybe 10 years later, I want to say. No, 15 years later, long time later, I'm driving down PCH and a little open car and this woman goes zooming by and another 
little open car, quite a fancy Porsche. Um, and she's, you know, this blonde lady driving quite rapidly down the highway and then suddenly slowed down, came even, and motioned over <laughs> to the side of the road. Come on over. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> what could I do? Of course, I went over. <laughs> Wait, you, yeah. you didn't recognize her first, so you just pulled I over. I didn't recognize who it was. For one thing, Sandy Murphy did not have blonde hair at the time, and it uh-huh. was years earlier, and she just didn't look mm-hmm. the same. But um, so she told me about her life since then, and um, I mean, uh, it was a it was a great story about how she had kind of restarted her life uh, and, and it was good and, and she you know had a business and and it was going well and yeah clearly was going well so I didn't do anything about it it was just an interesting conversation and then it was a couple of years more after that when a pal of mine another producing partner named Vince Sterla and I were chatting away but I was telling him this story and he said you know we should do this again because you know yeah. Vegas and the mob and yes. silver and silver fascinating in characters, the yeah, and a, such and a, a interesting story, yeah. A casino owner who loved his squirrel stew and all of those things. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah. It, yes. So we, they gave us the green light to go ahead and and look at the story again, and it it was it was a lot of fun to do. The <laughs> the 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 lawyer and ex mayor of las vegas to whom yes i remember i remember the office oh my god sitting at sitting at his bar with his uh martini yes. in front of him 90 something years old former lawyer to the mob i mean you just you, hard to find those kind of stories yeah yes. so next time you're on pch if someone tries to flag you over are you are you gonna go oh sure of course still, absolutely yes you're open to that mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> uh-oh Watch out. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> don't don't flag. Don't don't, we're that. not telling people to do that. Don't bother yeah, Keith in public. This is sorry. Yeah. This yeah. is a disclaimer. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Everyone. <laughs> it's not gonna work out. Because he's hardly ever on PCH. So if you do this, Never. you'll just be driving around it's for a very long time. So quite a rarity. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, did you want to ask about uh echoes in the canyon? Oh, yeah. I did. I know that's probably a title that doesn't sound familiar. The case was of Barry, I believe it was Morpho is the last name. It was in oh, Colorado. Morphew. Morphew, Barry Morphew. Yeah. Yes. We have not seen an update on that. Is that something in your pipeline right now? Have you heard that name recently? I was just curious. Because I think he's going to trial. Yeah. That's where you ended it. Well, we ended it where he was going to go to trial. And things mm-hmm. have happened. You're quite correct. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would love to do another story on this. I'm not sure. This was a, you know, as you know, we do one hour stories and we do two hour stories. This was, there was room for it as a one hour story Mm -hmm. and lots of material we have collected, stuff that people don't know and have never seen before. And we would absolutely love to do a two hour episode. So we'll see whether or not uh, that happens. I hope it does. So mysterious. That was kind of a fascinating case. Right. There's a period been placed at the end of that story now. I don't think it's going to change. Um, so it's time to do it. I don't know about okay, the period. I need to Google it right now. I need right, to. I'm writing it down. I know. I am so going to Google it. So the last time we had Mank on, he told Mank? us about Who's a that? new. Mank? 
Sir Mankey with the hanky. That's you may I, I, you might know him like I, that. I, I don't know. No. That man. no. Um, oh, Ben Mankiewicz's brother. Oh, him, that guy. Oh, yes, yeah. that's who we're talking about. So he told us about a new true crime term, frogging, with a ph, which it, I don't know if you know what it is. It's very disturbing. I don't. Uh, no, no. He's okay. he's the, he the I, learned correspondent at Dave. <laughs> well, we were wanted to know if there's any. With what the weirdest true crime thing that you learned about through Dateline or what thing shocked you the most? Huh. You know, I wish I could give you a, a clever answer to that. I am. Um, the thing that shocks me the most is people that just they're the people at the heart of these stories are just they never fail to be interesting and sometimes shocking. Yeah. But mm -hmm. but the thing, hmm, I don't know. I wish I could give you something. If I, I'll keep no, thinking about it. If I can think of something as we're chatting, I'll bring it up. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Frogging. What the heck is that? Oh, you have to tell him now. Yeah, you got. You have it, to. It doesn't make any sense that it's called frogging, number one. Mm -hmm. I don't think that this is the correct term for what this is. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. He's just basically leading it down the garden path. That's, well. <laughs> that's kind of standard stuff for that guy. Yeah. As Mank explained it, it, it and Google confirmed, I did uh, look it up. Okay. It is where it's, I don't know if it's a new phenomenon of people basically living in your walls, attics, etc., to stalk you, essentially. Or spy on you, but they live in your house oh. and you don't know they're living there. Really? It's like a squatter, a squatter that you don't know about, oh and you goodness. might think your house is haunted, wow. but there's actually somebody who maybe you used to date living in your walls. It's very unpleasant. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's not good. It's yeah, not it must have, have thick walls. But the, yeah. And the thing that's the most troublesome that Kimberly found was that it's common enough that it was given this slang term. Because to me, this yeah. seems like a one in a million story you hear once, but apparently kind it's... Of. I'm worried about it. So, so does that does that that guy who Ben's brother does has he ever done a, a story about involving frogging? No, but his police friends. I guess he has a lot of police friends. Uh, they told, yeah, he claims to have friends. Uh, they the told him about it. So maybe there's a case coming uh, up. Yeah. Someone sent me a link to an article that was the ten weirdest frogging stories, which means there's more than ten. Because this was the ten weirdest. That is that is super weird. I wow. Yeah. And now I, I regret yeah. telling you. All, well, I feel bad. It's like you've you no no no. It's like you've opened a window to a, a whole <laughs> new world. It's light is shining in, and I want to go after this thing. Can we? Is this? Yeah. Okay. You can you can blame him for for this because we didn't know about it either, and now uh, we know it and can't unknow yeah. it. And I'm sorry for bestowing that knowledge on you. No, that's, that's unfair. Fair. You didn't come here for Maybe that. Maybe we could get a <laughs> joint Keith and Josh frogging episode. You guys have never done a joint episode. No, no, he keeps bothering me about it. But I, you know, <laughs> why would I do it? I don't even like him. So. I know you'd have to spend quite a bit of time with him if you were doing that. Uh, one of our favorite things about Dateline is the B-roll. We love people looking at photographs. We love right. people walking by <laughs> bodies of water or sit sit and look out into nothing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, sometimes they mm -hmm. have just coffee or hot tea and they're just that's staring con pensively. Yeah. What would your B-roll be? Of me? Of, of, yes. Uh, wow. I'd probably be making muffins or something like that. Mm. Are you a baker? You make muffins. 
Attempted? With a small B. I understand. Do you watch Great British Bake Off? I did, yeah. We were addicted to that one for a while. Yeah. Yeah. We have another we podcast. We have another podcast. <laughs> That's our other really? podcast. <laughs> a date Just with the that. bake. <laughs> yes, a date with oh the bake, my. and we cover the new oh seasons my. of it. Well. <laughs> it's a fun show. It's great. It makes it you want to bake for sure. It makes you. It, it also makes you believe you can do it. I felt like I could make a croquembouche, the sure. pastry balls okay. on top. I cannot. How do you know? It didn't go. I can't make a caramel, as it turns out. That's going to be <laughs> yeah. beyond my skill set. Do you say caramel or caramel? I say caramel, but you know, I don't. I don't judge people who say caramel. Thank you. I appreciate it. Can I ask you? Because we asked Mank this, and uh, so many of our listeners oh. were very just hot and bothered Split about this. Decision. How do you pronounce this word? I say pecan, but you know. Okay. Oh, that's the one Katie wanted you to oh, say. Oh, well, what did you want me to say? <laughs> no, I'm fine with it. Okay. I, I knew you wouldn't say pecan. I knew that would never come out of your mouth. Pecan. Mm-hmm. So which story that you've had on Dateline do you think should be the next NBC miniseries starring Renee Zellweger? Oh, my. <laughs> There's so many to choose from. There really are. Um, we've been talking about that very thing. Um, yeah. <gasps> So there might be another one. I mean, there has to be. It was I such a think huge hit. Bound it was be, a huge hit. Bound to be another one. Yeah. What did you think when you heard about it? Out of curiosity, when they said we're going to do this with these big stars, and you know, like many many things I hear about, I my first thought is that's a ridiculous idea, and then eventually <laughs> I come around to it. And uh, in this, it happened here too. And when um, one of my bosses said. Um, would you like to, uh, well, you, wait a minute, you know everybody at Dateline. When Liz Cole said, uh, would mm-hmm. you, are you prepared to do this voiceover? I said, absolutely not. Not a chance. I'll <gasps> never do it. It's a terrible thing to do. Uh, and it crosses lines and it's, you know, it's just, ugh. we could write an essay on what a bad thing this is to do. But um, eventually I did it. <laughs> and it was fine. It was fine. So you're more of a a no man. You just say no instinctively, and then they talk you into or just cautious. Yeah, I uh, and uh, Ben's brother was exactly the same uh, when we started doing true crime on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, Josh said no to murder. So did I. That because I don't know. We we do all kinds of other stories that Mm -hmm. seem to us to be you know more useful for the general public to for us to do well we were not exactly right about that but you know once we got pulled into it uh you know not terribly willingly uh both of us recognized just how fascinating this is and how what a Mm -hmm. what a series of tells you have about human nature what a what an education this stuff is so, yeah. Is there a story from uh, the before times, the B- BM before murder, <laughs> when Dateline? Is there a case that you loved or an episode that you remember oh, that was one of your favorites? Scads of them. Um, lots oh, of them. Oh, really? Absolutely. And um, uh, I, I don't know where to begin. There, there, oh. there are many. There's one uh, uh, that I used to say was my absolute favorite of all time. And maybe it is. I don't know. It's been quite a while. But it was about 24 four years ago, something like that, with a story about a um, 
the a Vietnam veteran and how he um, on his very first day of maneuvers when he volunteered as a 18 year old or just not quite 18 year old to serve oh. uh, in the jungle and um, he stopped to light a cigarette and saw out of the corner of his eye a glint of sunlight and there was a and he, he kind of gradually looked over there and he could see it was a North Korean regular with a AK-47 pointed at him and um, so he managed somehow to keep his head about him and he gradually sort of turned and fired at the guy and shot him and killed him he has no idea to this day why why the other soldier waited but um, then all of his buddies came running up and they kind of collected souvenirs and then they all continued on with their march except this one guy it was his first day first time he'd ever fired a weapon at another human being and killed this man and so he went over and a um a wallet was still sticking out of the soldier's pocket and he took the wallet out and in the wallet was a picture just a little posted stamp size picture of that soldier holding a little baby girl and he realized this is obviously his daughter and oh, well. he he didn't think that much about it at the time, except he st stuck the picture in his wallet and he carried it around with him for the rest of his time there. A, um, he served two stints in Vietnam, was injured three times, um, was it, you know, got medals galore, um, served with, you know, pride and distinction. But that photograph stayed in his wallet and stayed in his wallet for years. And it, he kept working at him and working at him and working at him. And he, you know, he, I did an interview with him one time where he got frustrated and said, leave me alone, little girl. I can't, you know, I can't. Uh. But, so he was so distraught by this. He, he, he put a, he, he wrote a little letter of apology to her, put it in a baggie and left the photograph and the baggie at the base of the Vietnam War Memorial. A lot of people would leave things there. And then the, he thought he was done with it, right? He went home, felt a little better. Um, and then the curator of the wall wrote a book and had photographs of all these things that were left at the wall by various people. And the center photograph, big two-page thing, was his letter and the picture of the little girl and her dad. And so it all came flooding back again. So he decided he had to do something more. And he eventually, um, he was able to contact the, by then there were there were relations with Vietnam. He contacted the ambassador. The ambassador contacted people in Vietnam. A story was run in one of the Hanoi papers that apparently nobody read because um, nothing happened. But then sometime later, somebody somebody in a market in town uh, wrapped some vegetables or some groceries in a newspaper and sent it out to a little village about 20 or 30 miles out of Hanoi. And the person who unwrapped the package realized, oh my God, that is so-and-so, my neighbor who lives just right down the way. Oh and um, thus they eventually connected with each other. And we, we went over with him for their meeting um, and uh, a nervous wreck he was. He, he, he didn't want to apologize for his service. He felt that that was the right thing to do, but he, wanted to tell her he was sorry he killed her father and that she had to live all these years without a father. And it was a very human thing to do. So the day we 
he took us a while to get out to this village where she lived. And then it was about a couple hundred yards of walking from the road up to where she, her house was. And he was as nervous as any human being I've ever seen. And we get to the courtyard of their home. And there are all these people standing around, like the whole village basically has gathered. Among the many men who we later found out had been, had fought on the other side during the war. And in the middle of this group is a 40-ish year old woman. Um, and he, he um, was filming him at the time. And he said, that's her, that's her. And he kind of walked up to her, you know, nervously is shaking all the time. He pulls his note out of his pocket and begins to read a carefully prepared note he's written about how, of apology. And she doesn't understand a word. But she listens for about three or four seconds and then suddenly throws herself into his arms and holds on to him for dear life. And they're sobbing with each other. And they're, you know, eventually we got a, a translator in there and they, you know, they exchange stories. And she said that she felt that his coming to talk to her was like the spirit of her father returning. Oh, and they remain close for the rest of his life. So that was a that was a pretty remarkable story. That is yeah. that's remarkable. A, I got goosebumps. That's phenomenal. Yeah. What a special thing for him, also for her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it's it's how there are many, many people, um, and more now, every time we have a war, there are more and more of them who suffer for years and years with PTSD. Of course. That, mm -hmm. that gets that tends to come and go and come and go, but over time tend seems to get worse somehow. And that photograph to me sort of represented the PTSD of a of a generation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm -mm. Oh my goodness. Now we have all these other questions. You just told the best I story know. in the world. We can't <laughs> ask any of these questions. No. We will save some of our questions if we really? ever decide to come sure. back. Sure. Have we run out of time um, or something? We, no, no. We just don't want to rush you. And we oh, do no, you want don't. to. Yeah, that's it. You're, you're, this is we, the hook. We want to make sure you get to pitch your the podcast, obviously. Oh, um, yes, Maybe we each ask one more question that's not related, because I have one that I really want to ask. Uh, my second favorite show of all time is Seinfeld. Oh, hmm. yeah. It's a pretty good show. Do you have any memories of that? You were probably not even, you were in a studio or you looked like you were in a studio. Well, yes, it was, it, that was one of those serendipitous events that um, you, <laughs> I could never have believed that it would follow me around for as long as it has. But um, what happened was I was at the time, um, my, I had a kind of a, a dual job. I was anchoring at KNBC in Los Angeles, um, a local newscast at 6 p.m. Um, but also, I was a correspondent for NBC Nightly News. And so I would work, I would do a story for Nightly News during the daytime, which in, in Nightly would go on at 3.30 Pacific time, 6.30 Eastern time. And then after that, I'd go down to the local newsroom and do my 6 o'clock news. Um, it was, it was, that was, I had made a decision that I was going to leave that job and move back to Canada to do a morning show back there, Canada AM, hmm. um, 
you know, we make the decisions we make. So, um, but I was kind of um, not, normally I would have said, absolutely no, I'm not going to do such a thing as I got a phone call at, in the office from, from this guy who said he was with Seinfeld and that they had a little thing uh, that they needed a, a sort of a newscaster to read and um, would I be prepared to do it? Uh, and because I was in that situation of kind of transitioning, I said, ah, oh, what the hell? Sure. And he said, well, can you be over? We're, we're, we're going to try to shoot this today around, you know, the noon hour. Could you come over and in, in maybe an hour and we'll just do this thing and it'll take a few minutes and that's all it'll take. So I said, sure. Drove over to their studio, which was not far away. And uh, in, they were true to their word. I went inside. Seinfeld himself was there and he was very pleasant, said hello and thanked me. And then I stood up at the place they wanted me to stand and read the words they wanted me to read with the, you know, the kind of tone that they wanted me to use. And um, they said, thank you very much. Would you like a, a sandwich? And I said, no, <laughs> I had to get back. So <laughs> went back to the office. I was there, you know, 15, 20 minutes max. And um, that little, it was a two-part thing. We ran in two shows. And that little 20-minute thing uh, has, well, I've received a check for, you know, usually about 3 or $4 from Seinfeld. <laughs> residuals. Um, residuals. Er, residuals. Every month for the past 20-some years. <laughs> Almost, how long? About 30 years now. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah, that was because it was second season or something. Yeah, very early on in the show. That's really funny. Yeah, everyone. Oh, I love it. It lasts forever. Yeah. Okay, I I have a question. Your language that you use in Dateline is very specific, and Kimberly and I try to recreate it often, because, mm. but we can't do it because we fail. Yeah, right. Have you? always been a writer were you into creative writing when you were young is this something that's sort of something um, that's a because it's a talent so that's why i ask uh, <laughs> you just have a very specific voice when, very, you, yeah, when you tell that's, a story so that is, that's very kind of you i've always i've always enjoyed writing um, mm-hmm. and i one of my early television <laughs> jobs i was um I was anchoring the news on a, a morning show. This was still back in, in Canada in the, I don't know, 70s. And because uh, I'm quite old now. But I there, went to a, a reception and um, a colleague of mine, because I'd been complaining to her, uh, said to the local and local newspaper reporter, "Do you know of any outlets where my my friend Keith here could you know get more writing? Because his frustration is that he doesn't have there isn't an outlet for really creative writing on television these days. And the, mm. the guy from the newspaper said, yeah, I, 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 I recommend that you try gardening. That'll take it off your mind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, and now you get to do it a bit. I mean, daylight well, is, I did no, I have been doing it for a long, long time. And, um, and, and, um, there is a certain element of shtick to, uh, that kind of writing. But, well, you know, you've given us some of our favorite phrases, like definitely raft, raft of corresponding demons, constellation of ailments, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. cool as moose, 
cool as a moose. Cool as a moose, yeah, that's we, an old. We could never figure that one out. Yeah. Is that Canada? Is that a Canada? It's a Canadian, 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 Canadian expression. Okay. Yeah. What about skitters in the rut? Oh, I don't know about that one. Did I say that? <laughs> you sure yes. did. Really? Because we had to look up not one but both. <laughs> what was hmm. it? Were they in the skitters in the rut? Kimberly still has to explain yeah, it, it to me. It was the woman who shot her husband by accident oh, uh, when they were hunting. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Of course, yeah. Yeah, I remember that now. That was it. I I enjoyed doing that story. And what uh, I'm, the guy who died didn't enjoy it much, but um, no, I absolutely adore, love Newfoundland. There's no greater place on the planet. It's such a wonderful place. And so being able to be in Newfoundland with these wonderful people and, and uh, shoot that story and go out into the rough wildland where this occurred was uh, truly a delight. I love that. Uh, while we are all getting along so famously, uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to bring up two quotes that we have um, oh. com- complained about for a long time. Oh, sure. Um, wi- that, that you have said that, that stung a bit, which were... We can just get clarification. For- we just clarifications. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. One is 40 was barreling down on her like a Chinese bullet train. Yeah. It stung, but it? it really painted the picture. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then women of a certain age. We need to confirm that age. I thought is... women of a certain age was 80, but uh-huh. apparently it's in 40s. It's, it really is quite slippery, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is what you want it to be. There also, by the way, are men of a certain age. It's, it's, That's it's, true. Applied That's either true. way. Uh, We've enjoyed uh, it very we, much. We've been a little bit jokingly prickly about those. Oh, good, good, good. Don't yeah. be joking about it. You know, be really, really harsh. <laughs> really prickly yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> good. Um, a lot of times, yes. I think I've, uh, 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 one of the advantages and disadvantages of being around for so long is you, you tend to use, you know, resurrect old expressions and put them in. Um, and sometimes those old expressions are really no longer considered to be okay to use. And I just, mm. I'm not aware of that. Well, oh, those Dennis are both fine uses, to you. Yeah, no, those are fine. <laughs> Dennis uses a lot of gumshoe 40s lingo that we love. Yeah. And and you have brought in, he loves, we think he was a 40s detective uh-huh. yeah. somehow. Yeah. Uh in your new podcast, The Seduction, mm. it's a very film yes. noir. You yep. use the word dame a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's it's wonderful. Are you a lover of that time period? I, of I, tr- I truly am. Um, and, um, it, you know, my my partner in that one is Vince Sterla, who's, uh, who's just a marvelous, marvelous guy. I've worked with him for a long, long time, too. But um, he found that story. He was um, the one who recommended it to me, and it was a it was it was a story about a young man who, on behalf of his um, older female girlfriend, had killed the female girlfriend's husband, and then there was a weird things that happened afterwards. So I went up to have a look, and the big surprise to me was um, that this young man who was in prison agreed and the prison agreed that I could sit down and talk to him, do an interview with him. Um, normally that is not possible in that part of the world. Um, so we set it up, we sat down and I had every expectation that would be the usual. And the usual is that somebody will give you half answers and kind of fake memories and, and you know, gloss over a lot of stuff. And you try to work through that the best you can. This guy was as open and 
honest as far as I could tell with anybody I'd ever talked to and had mm -hmm. a savant-like memory of detail. Spe I was speaking of memories before. This guy's memory is all checked out uh, in specificity. I mean, <laughs> it was amazing. Mm -hmm. wow. So he told the story over quite a long period of time in, in great detail from beginning to end. And we were we just sat back and couldn't believe it, Vince and I. And we did a story for Dateline. And that was that. Well, when we started doing podcasts, uh, we both said, we got to do this one at some point, just because this is such a remarkable story. We didn't get a chance to kind of really live in it when we did our television story. And so the Dateline agreed, and, and it's out now as the seduction. Um, it's really Jaime's story, uh, but what a story it is. So it's crazy. It's, it's totally, crazy. totally crazy. It's, yeah. Does he, is he able to listen to it? I, I imagine so. Sure. I have not spoken to him in all these years since. Um, but the, the film noir aspect of it was um, because Jaime himself was such a movie buff. And he, as he told his story and as we talked to him, we realized that he, his, most people live in who do weird things live in sort of semi alternate realities. And his alternate reality was he saw everything in his life through the lens of a movie camera. He compared himself to movie situations or his circumstances all the time. Wow. Uh, in, in this case, he was, he compared accurately. I mean, as far as we could tell, it was all accurate, but so he kept bringing it up himself. And it just seemed obvious to, to us, both of us, that uh, this was a this was not only a film noir sort of story, but the main character in it saw it that way himself. Mm -hmm. If you were going to give someone a film noir library, sorry, like what what movies would you tell people to watch? Oh, Double Indemnity, for sure, which mm -hmm. I think is mm -hmm. one of the one of the best. And, and Body Heat is another one. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, well, I like Strangers on a Train. <laughs> The uh, the movie version, yes, 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 absolutely. Also, Strangers on a Train is one of my favorite Datelines uh, stories too. We've been saving. We've it. been oh, saving. Really? I don't know what we're saving it for, but people have requested that one. I think more than any other. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. So we will definitely be doing that one. Yeah, Good. for sure. Right. Um, speaking of your lingo and the appeal of this woman uh, from the seduction, yeah. Uh, Whenever the need arose, she could shed weight as easily as a thrift store coat and squeeze back into her old Daisy, Daisy Dukes. Dukes. Yeah. <laughs> How, so when you're writing something like that, does it just come or does it take a minute of finesse? Because it's it's. I ascribe this the brilliance of that line entirely to Vince. Vince wrote that oh, line, and normally okay. I go along and I do violence to people's language. The the you know. Uh, Essentially, the job that both Magowitz and I have, to be truth, truth be told, is that we're rewrite men. You know, we take material from other people uh, and we we rewrite it. We we sometimes change the structure and mess around with it uh, and do it. Oh, in your it, own voice. Considerable violence, but mostly it's just to, <laughs> to rewrite it so that it's in our own voice. So that's, you know, that's what you do. That's that's the. Um, oh, I didn't know. That's the job. Um but once in a while, somebody <laughs> comes along and writes a line like that and you say, no, I'm not going to do anything with that one. That's a good one. 
Will you please give our regards to Vince? That was very yeah. good. Absolutely. A tip yeah. of the hat. A, the, a tip of Vince. the hat from a date with it. It means nothing, but it was very. It was, yeah, he won't even know. You what get that the means, exact but... image of what of what that is. It was mm-hmm. great. That's pretty good. Oh sure, yeah, it's good. Do you have anything on the horizon you want to pitch to our listeners? Not that they're not waiting with bated breath for anything you have coming out, but. Any datelines, any podcasts, anything else? Well, I, uh, you know, this podcast is the first few episodes are up and the rest of them will be soon. And um, then I'm just kind of moving on. At the moment, I'm looking around for the next podcast, which is you want to find the right story. Um, so that's ongoing. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we, you know, when the fall season begins, we'll have a whole slate of new, new datelines. But any specific particular thing at the moment? You know, these these new uh, last day stories that we're doing mm-hmm. yes. um, are are really are a lot like Dateline, you may have noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like about them is that they have they're not they're not in that straitjacket of time where you you have precisely so many minutes to tell the story and mm-hmm. you've got to be off by a certain point. So it gives you the opportunity to kind of make it more cinematic you kind of live in the in the atmosphere of things longer and you get to listen to what people actually have to say as opposed to a little bit of what people have to say and um, Mm -hmm. i like that about them so we'll be doing more of those too that's what ben's brother said by the way i hate to say yeah you both did have the same answer Uh you might have more in common than you think no no with you no 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 chance (laughs) (laughs) We used to, we used to do competing diet stories back in the pre-crime days, um, because he was more of an Atkins guy, and I was more of a you know just the vegetables guy. And we're anyway. That's funny. No, oh we no, we this. we wanted. We love this. That is so we, funny. We, we've always sort of taken opposing uh, points of view about things, which is why the idea of. Uh, both telling a story from one from one side, one from the other side, uh, probably makes sense. But we'll we'll find one eventually. Oh, that would be really yeah. great. That'd be fun to watch. He did recently tell us uh, that he's a Peloton guy. Yes. You're not a Peloton I, guy, no, are you? No, 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 no. I'm not. <laughs> no, and now for sure I won't be. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Should we end with our fast questions, Kimberly? Ooh. I think we should we save them maybe save. for I, here's my dream would be to get both you and Ben's brother on oh together. God. This would be my dream. How how do you feel? Not to well, he would do the all the talking. I would sit here quietly and he would <laughs> yammer away like he always does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you get a chance to ask the guy more than one question? In the if course of you an ask hour. him a question, no, you ask him a question, mm-hmm. and you he does he does do all the work for you. It is it is glorious. Yeah. There's no yeah. pressures of di- dead air. Sure, of course. Yeah. But then for we sure. learn things like frogging that you can't yeah. unlearn, and then so that's true. That's true. Yeah, learned. <laughs> we would man. love that. Sure. Uh, K- Katie, why don't you ask him a few questions though? Okay, they're just up? very fast. It's just this or this. I, but, this I, or this. but what if the answers are slow? Is that a, that's a, they can fine. absolutely be slow. Uh, okay. Sweet or salty, as in food. The people want to get to know you a little. Why? Bit why do I have to pick one or the other? I like them both. <laughs> so that's <laughs> a both. Winter <laughs> or summer? Summer. Boat or train? 
train. Oh. Dog or cat? Dog. So Kimberly had a very good one. Power of invisibility, power of flight. Invisibility. Interesting. Josh Mankiewicz, friend or foe? Oh, definitely. Well, you know the answer to that. I got it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. And favorite beverage, if we ever are in public and we want to buy you a drink, what, what would we buy you? It, it, it has a corporate name. I don't, you know, it's a well-known, a well-known corporate drink, a diet. Something. A soft drink? Yes. A soft drink. Okay. That's all you have to okay, say. Okay, fine. Sure. That's <laughs> appreciated. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking with us. This was really fun. Really, my pleasure. You were, you were much much kinder than uh, Josh led me to believe you might be. They're <laughs> really, really hard. On you. Their questions are so rough and tough. You'll have a terrible time. And, um, and he, you know, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank Our you. listeners are just going to flip out about this. Oh, they they, is there anything you'd like to say to them? Yeah. Or date, just Dateline viewers in general, anything you want to say. I am eternally grateful for the fact that people like to watch our program. And uh, I hope I don't let them down. Never. Impossible. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank really you. Thank you so it. much, Keith. We really, t- Keith, can we call you Keith? Mr. Morrison. Oh, I feel yeah. more comfortable with Mr. Morrison. Sir, Sir Keith. No. <laughs> <laughs> he heard no. that Mankey had a sir Mankey title. got yep. a sir. Well, yeah. you're the lean king. There you're, you are. Yeah. yeah. So, I would say our lean king hosted by our lean king. And a lot of people were hearing Arlene king. Oh, okay. A-R-L-E-N-E. So maybe your nickname is Arlene. Arlene is good. Yeah. I like that. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. See you next time. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye, Keith. Thank you. Bye. I say everything wrong, though. I, You know, it's my foreign beginning. That's... How would you? Never mind. I'm not going to give you another one. It's I regularly <laughs> catch hell from people who live in what I call Nevada, or un, unintentionally sometimes forget and call Nevada. They say Nevada. I also get in a lot of trouble for pistachio. A lot of trouble for that one. No, I say pistachio. Yeah. <gasps> oh. Just can I get a soundbite of that? <laughs> Just- uh-huh. Are you also from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan? I'll ask my mom. I'll ask.